welcome to the Crazy Woman Podcast, where we discuss the challenges of leaving organized religion, in our case, evangelical fundamentalism. We share our past experiences growing up in the Christian church and talk about how we're now learning to navigate the emotional complexities of finding our true selves in our free lives. Hello, we are the Crazy Women. I'm Jamie. And normally this is where Kristen would say, and I'm Kristen, and then I would say, and we're your hosts, and we love having you here. But we did not record a proper intro to this episode today, so I'm here alone to do that, um, give you guys a bit of context for this episode, why there is no intro to it, why it's late. We normally like to post on Fridays. Uh, that didn't happen this week. I'm here to talk about why that is. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you follow us on our Instagram, our handle is at the Crazy Woman Podcast. We did a post explaining uh, why this episode is late, a bit more why it is the way that it is. You can follow us over there. We'll post update, updates over there. So what happened this week was I just had a really human week, I'm going to call it. I was kind of under the weather the whole week. I just had a lot of emotional stuff going on with me. And since this episode was going to be my three reasons why I'm no longer part of the Christian church, it was going to be mostly me talking. I just wasn't sure I was going to be up for it. But uh, regardless, Kristen and I scheduled our recording session. We hopped onto our program. Normally, before we hit record, we spend a few minutes chatting about you know what we're going to be doing, a little bit of the flow and structure of the episode, and then we hit record. So during our little few minutes chat before we hit record, I just kind of, you know, started talking to my friend about what was going on with me, why I was having such a hard week. And a lot of it is to do with the fact that I've gone through a lot of trauma in my life, a lot of it at the hands of religious organizations and the people in them. And that's left me with a lot of physical effects, physical and emotional effects. I've struggled with anxiety and panic attacks since I was a little child. I, had, I deal with depression. I deal with a lot of physical issues that have just sort of accumulated over time. And it's all gotten a lot better. I've gotten a lot better handle on all of it. Um, but every once in a while, because I am a human, I do have a minute or two where I just, I get really discouraged and I feel like my anxiety is never going to get better. I'm never going to be able to be as healthy as I want to be. I'm never going to feel as free as I want to be. I'm never going to be strong the way I want to be. And, you know, I go dark <laughs> like so many of us do when we go through those phases. So I was telling Kristen about this and uh, we just started having a conversation about this and she was being very sweet, as she always is, and giving me some good friend advice. And uh, at one point, she just said, hey, maybe we should just record this, because isn't this why we started this podcast in the first place, was to uh, give a friendly voice to people recovering from trauma like ours. So we hit record, and that's why there's no proper intro, because we didn't intro this episode. We just started talking. So you're going to pick up with us in the middle of the conversation. Uh, but yeah, that's the backstory here. And uh, to top it off, another reason why this is late is uh, something went kind of screwy with our recording. So you'll notice, especially in the back half of the episode, the sound goes kind of wonky for some reason. All the sound control settings came off. I don't know why. So you can hear a little bit of background noise. I apologize for that. Um, enjoy. In the second half of the recording, especially, you'll hear... hear um, uh, Kristen's rooster we're just really going off in the background. It's very fun. Just it's ambiance, guys. Uh, but that's it for this 
that's a little intro for this episode. And uh, yeah, again, we're sorry it's late, uh, but you know, sometimes humanity calls and you got to listen to yourself and do what feels best and accommodate yourself the best you can. So here you go. I hope this is I don't know, some encouragement, some support. It's a much more of a raw look at our experience than we've had so far. I know we've only had a few episodes so far, but this is definitely the the most um, uncovered of them so far. So hope you guys enjoy. Hope it provides some encouragement for you. Thanks for listening. I really had a down day a few weeks ago where I was telling my husband, I was like, I don't know. I'm wondering if I'm plateaued. Like this is it. Mm. I was planning on climbing the mountain Mm -hmm. and, you know, getting to the top and seeing what's up there and having an adventure on the way up. But I'm wondering if this is just it. Like, I'm just always going to struggle with anxiety. I'm never going to be able to healthily carry a pregnancy. Just if I'm never going to have the career that I want, the life that I want, the adventures that I want, this is just it. Like, I've done all the healing that the universe had on my plate for me to do. And this is just it now. And it's, it was so discouraging because even though I was, you know, I struggle with depression from time to time. I don't know if that's what was causing it that day in particular, but I was hearing myself saying these things and I was like, even if this is a little depression talking today, mm-hmm. I, I do wonder that. Like, and, and, and that's what I was telling you before. It's like, like you, everything kind of falls away and you just find yourself at a place where you're like, I can either choose to believe that there is a reason and I can do it. Mm-hmm. Or I can choose not to. Right. <laughs> right. And really, ultimately, like that's that's where the the really empowering choice comes because it's like, what do you want to believe? And how does it how does it make you feel to believe that this is it? I'm never gonna get better. This is as good as it gets. Does that feel good in your body? No, it doesn't feel good. It makes my body go numb. Actually, that's interesting that you brought that up because it reminds me of the dissociation that I had until I was about, I don't know, 30, maybe 29 or 30. Mm -hmm. Then I started coming back into my body. But that is funny. I didn't think about that until you brought that up. That's what it makes me feel like. I I start to dissociate. Yes. Yeah. And that, that for me, that for me, it was the depression. And when I started working with someone to heal that, um, they had me write out all the things that it's called a life map. And you basically just write out all the things that you are really important to you, that you really want to do in your life, the goals that you have, where you want to be eventually. And for me, writing, actually writing those things down and seeing them was like, oh, I, these these could be real. These could be not just fantasies in my head. These could be real concrete reality. And that was the most, I think, something that really shifted things for me because all of a sudden it was, I realized I have a choice. Like I can choose to heal these things. I can choose to accomplish these things. I don't have to sit around and wait for them to happen to me. They might not come immediately and I might have to do a lot of work to get there. But knowing that those things are possible and that they're totally within my reach. I, I really believe that we have dreams and desires for a reason and we are meant to fulfill them. And mm-hmm. we wouldn't, if they weren't capable of being fulfilled, if they weren't possible, we wouldn't have the desire. And so those desires are really holy. Like those are your life purpose. If you have those desires you're totally capable of accomplishing them if that's what you really want. 
And that's where that like that shift comes of instead of feeling like, why is life not doing what I want? And why, why am I not getting where I want to be? Um, coming to that place of, oh, it's all about me, actually. It's not about any of these other circumstances. It's not because I don't have enough money. It's not because I have, for me, too many kids. <laughs> it's not because I don't have this or I don't have that. It's, it's, a, it's my choice and I can change my life. I can start to create the change that needs to happen in order for those things to happen. And, um, that has been the most exciting thing for me. What really started to shift, um, me out of that depressive state. Hmm. I don't know if that resonates That's- for you. Again, I think it's really different for everyone. So that might not be, um, no, I was, I was just, th- I was thinking about what you're saying. Cause I was, I was thinking, I feel I'm not out of control here. I can choose mm-hmm. what I want to do with my life. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking that feels like challenging to me. And I think it's because my whole life I felt really victimized by anxiety. It felt like mm-hmm. it was something external that was happening to me growing up in the environment that I did, like had no control over it. And it was just sort of – it was just a product of my circumstances. Mm-hmm. I couldn't control that it happened to me. I couldn't control that it was controlling me. And, and so now I've been – struggling with anxiety for 25 years and and I do feel heavily victimized by it and I'm wondering if that's and and I and I do I do keep thinking like oh it's because my parents treated me the way they did oh, it was because I wasn't loved and and now I'm just going I wonder if that's my excuse though mm. to keep my keep myself in an anxious state is that I keep kind of maybe ruminating a bit instead of saying yeah those things happen to you and they caused anxiety. And the anxiety in a way did serve a purpose because, you know, it acted as, as a defense mechanism and kept me small, which sadly can sometimes be the only way to survive growing up in certain types of households. Well, and all those, all those responses, all that, 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 you know, the victim mode, all of the anxiety, everything that you had, those are all designed, those are all functions within your body and your psyche to keep you safe, Right. And if you think right. about them in that way and you think, what is this mindset or this reaction doing for me? And that was the most powerful thing that someone told me, like, what is thinking of it that way doing for you? Huh. And then I realized for me, it was um, making me not have to really act. It was make it was making <sighs> so that I could blame it on someone else so that I could feel like it wasn't my fault. You know what I mean? Wow. I, it was, it was just, and which ultimately is completely disempowering, right? Because you don't have any, any right. power over it at all. You're just like, well, it's all these other things and all these things that happened to me. And recognizing that that response that I had was, um, was a, you know, something that had served me for a while, but I didn't have to choose that anymore. And you realize like, I can choose to respond to this and to view this how I want. I don't have to see myself as the victim if I don't want to. Um, that was the most empowering thing because suddenly you can do something about it. When you started realizing that you didn't have to be the mm-hmm. victim and you could do something about mm-hmm. it, was that enough to so that you felt brave to start trying new things? Or did you work with healers? Did you do practices so that that began to take root in you on a, on a biological level? So you felt powerful? You know, it's, it's pretty complicated for me because there were so many big changes going on in my life. And I had, I feel like I 
would kind of pop in and out of this empowerment and disempowerment. Like I, I didn't just decide one day and it was like, boom, I'm empowered and I'm ready to go. It was a lot of back and forth <laughs> and it was a lot of, you know, making a big change and a big decision and then doubting myself and being like, why did I do? And this is horrible. And why is this happening to me? <laughs> and so I would keep flipping back into that because that was my default mode. And mm. it took me going back and forth a lot of several times to finally recognize what exactly was going on. And then I was able to really kind of make a final choice. Um, and that doesn't mean that things don't come up still where I am kind of thrown back into it and have to like re-coach myself. <laughs> like this is, this is okay. And, you know, um, to kind of work through things that come up, but, um, it, it's, it took a while. It was just a back and forth of like, oh wait. And it, and it, it's just that being aware, right. Of that awareness of like, what kind of a state am I in now and what happened and why am I here? And do I want to be here? Because you fall back into it so naturally because it's just your trained way of being for most of your life. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of a being gentle with yourself and like recognizing, mm -hmm. Oh, and then there, you know, there's so much self-judgment that comes and I'm like, Oh, well, I didn't really mean it because I went and it's like, no, you're just learning a new way. You're learning a new, uh, a new, completely, completely new way of being and recognizing that you're gonna keep kind of going back and forth for a little while and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and just a lot of, yeah, a lot of grace for yourself, which is not something that comes naturally to us. So that's been a whole other yeah. <laughs> part of the journey for me. Yeah. No, the, the lack of grace thing, I feel that showing up, I feel like daily, mm. Well, I'm trying to heal because I think, okay, great. I got that ironed out. That part is taken care of. <laughs> and then the next day that'll show up again. It's just, oh, you immediately resort to bashing yourself. Actually, this is flowing perfectly. <laughs> my three reasons. Okay. When we got on here, I was like, I don't know. I'm going to be up for talking about this today. Mm -hmm. But um, it's kind of going perfectly into it. And that's kind of like the reason. That was the big and the first reason why I decided I had to, well, bit brief backstory. I hadn't really actually been a part of a church for most of my life. My parents moved churches a lot, not moved, moved churches yeah. a lot. So by the time I was like, I don't know, by the time I met you, Kristen, I'd been, I don't know, 10 churches okay. maybe. Um, none of them ever longer for two years. I don't know, maybe three. Okay. But um. But I did realize that was a really good experience because it kind of made me realize like um, a church can say that they're not a church and they're still a mm. church because by the time I was in my late teens, my parents were part of a religious a sect of Christianity that, you know what? I don't think they have a name, mm. but they claimed they weren't a church. They were a church. <laughs> um, but they kind of ended up being like why I had to step away from all things that walked like a church and talked like a church is because I was just so sick. I was mm. just so sick in my body. My body was so, so sick. And like the emotional and then physical and spiritual, they can't all, they can't be untangled from each other. They're all one. Right. And I, I was just so 
ill and I had been since I was a little child, just chronically, chronically ill. And then every couple of years, something else would develop. I would have a new autoimmune disease, a new weird little tick of some organ that wasn't working correctly. And mm-hmm. just, it was just snowballed. And then it took me until I was probably in my thirties before I realized like it was growing up in those environments mm-hmm. that were so harsh and that so, they were so restrictive. And it didn't, and this actually is flowing entirely to my second reason, which was one of yours too, Christian, Kristen, mm-hmm. was um, uh, there's no love. They're just not, en- not, in lo- not enough to thrive yeah. on. It's such a harsh environment that's not supportive. It's not loving. And I began to realize like that's the foundation for health. Where right. if you're emotionally healthy, when you feel loved and secure and happy and supported, when you feel unconditionally supported, your body is going to feel safe. Yes. And my I real that was the first thing I realized I was like, I'm so sick, I'm so sick. And I was trying to treat myself from a physical standpoint for decades. And then it was when um I practitioners working with at the time suggested, hey, maybe you should just try therapy. She just meant standard talk therapy, but that really turned a light on for me. I started working with a therapist and um, started realizing how much my emotional state, this constant environment of lack of love that I grew Mm -hmm. up in, had deteriorated my physical health so completely. Yeah. To the point where I had none. And it was amazing like how much it translated. Like you're not meant, you're not allowed to um, and Kristen, you've talked about this, have boundaries mm-hmm. as a person, as a sense of self. You you have no sense of self. Right. You're just part of this collective and you're not really allowed to be separate or different. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing how I found that that translated to having an autoimmune disease because my body had no defense. Mm-hmm. You know, that was going in my life. I had no defense. I had nothing strong around me to protect me from people. People were allowed to treat me however they wanted to do and say whatever they wanted to me. And I was not allowed to respond right? because that would have labeled me, in particular as a woman, this is especially amplified, but I would have been treated as a naughty girl, right. like a bad girl for talking back. Standing up for yourself is labeled as talking back mm-hmm. and having boundaries is called disobedient and rebellious. So you just don't have those right. things. And so my body had no defense. I had no immune system. Mm-hmm. And I was everything that came my way, I, I got sick with and my body couldn't kick. So I just kept collecting illness after illness mm-hmm. after weird little illness. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I emotionally and spiritually was so vulnerable that my body said, okay, I guess we're just vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And there's so much. And I was thinking about when you said the autoimmune, how much our thoughts affect our bodies. And when you're told so many times over and over that you're bad and that you, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you and you're not enough and you are, you need someone outside to come and save you, um, that puts you at war with your body. Oh, so at war. Yeah. So your psyche is like constantly, oh, yeah, your body's just like, okay, we're always under threat. <laughs> All the time. Always under yeah. threat. I, I just began working with another therapist mm-hmm. um, last week. And she 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 was talking to me about how um, anxiety is showing up in my life. And I was realizing I was just, while I was talking to her. And I've had this realization 
before, but I feel like in a way, like the healthier and more untangled my emotions get, the more things just stand out so starkly that are still broken. Mm. So I'm starting to see this more and more clearly just when I had no anxiety, like for, you know, whatever reason, my just having a good day, things were flowing easily. I would immediately start to, I would trigger anxiety right. for myself because feeling safe right made me feel very unsafe. Yes. <laughs> it was such a foreign concept. Yes. Yeah. That is that is something that takes so much time and new experiences like we were talking about like re- that's a that's the reprogramming, right? Like because your body reads that as a threat. It's not safe. And so it that that just takes so much time. That's all I can say. It's like it does to me the way I was raised, it's a bit of a microcosm to me of uh, the Christian mm. church because I was expected to just swallow authority without question. Right. Like my parents were tantamount to God and that's how it is in the Christian church too. And oh my gosh, that's my third reason. That was my third reason. <laughs> 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 I didn't think we were going to record today. Now we just naturally and just Friends chatting got to all three of my best ones, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I remember growing up with um, my parents, and then also in the sort of fake church that we were part of for I don't know how many years, several years. um, They would say things to me that literally made no Mm. sense. My parents would say, or the the organization leaders would say, and they would make actually no sense. And that's, I mean, the obviously the very fad term for it right now is gaslighting. It is that is effectively what it is because at that point, like by the time you're old enough to have logic and intelligence, um, and you're like, this doesn't make sense. This really doesn't make sense. But at that point, you're really well trained, right? So you you can kind of. Uh, uh, you say, well, I must be wrong then. I must be the one who's wrong. And then again, that triggers guilt, that triggers self-doubt so that you start to, your self-worth is just slowly getting chipped away at because you're just, your sense of self is becoming less and less defined. You yourself have been taught, I feel like at that point, how to dismantle, um, dismantle yourself so that, so that you, you're the one that has to make way for the structure. You have to accommodate it. Nothing about it is going to accommodate you. And so you just have to either uh, walk away (laughs) um, or be the special kind of person. You know, these people come along, they're few and far between, but who are willing and have what it takes to blow up um, whatever needs to be blown up. Or if those things aren't an option for you or you're not ready to do them yet, you just bend. Um, I think that's why it's been so hard for me to recover from everything is that was my childhood first of all was i and so i merged mm-hmm. my childhood with very little sense of self and then throw on that then the uh organization i'm going to call it the organization in which i went to college which we'll talk about another time mm-hmm. and then just re um just sort of starting to stick my head out and emerge from all this uh what then i realized was religious trauma that had been inflicted on me with all of this just mm-hmm. the constant 
being taught to be at war with myself and being taught to question myself and being taught to doubt myself and being taught to reshape myself so that I'm not bothering anybody or upsetting any principles. Right. Man, it just, and then your body just is like, well, I guess this is what we do now. <laughs> and, yes. it, and it starts mimicking your state of your emotional state of being and your, and your heart. And it, that's, that's why I think our bodies are just like such a beautiful gift to us because they tell us these things that we want to control with our minds and their body will not let you. Your body is like, nope. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's what I love about, you know, learning more about our bodies and learning how much all of our symptoms are just expressions of emotional difficulties or whatever we're dealing with. Um, it's just a physical manifestation of it. And yeah, like what, what you said about um, that, that's the core reason why um, religions, systems, cults, whatever, you know, any kind of a system is able to control and manipulate people is by undermining the worth of the individual, making you doubt yourself, making you always doubt your intuition. And when that is your go-to, you are never um, strong enough to question anything because as soon as you start feeling something is uncomfortable or something might be wrong, you immediately doubt that. And that is that programming is intentionally there so that people stay in line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when that is that core shift has taken place, you are in a really compromised place. And I'm, I'm watching this documentary about this cult and it's amazing. The things that depending on what kind of an organization you're in and how much they're wanting to control you, once you've made that shift and you're in a disempowered state, you're not your own person anymore. And you are free for the taking. And, and an organization or person can very easily manipulate you to get what they want from you. Yeah. And whether or not they're doing that intentionally, like that, that's the whole thing is like so many of these systems are set up a certain way and the individuals within it are not intending to manipulate you maybe. And sometimes they are, but a lot of times it's completely unintentional, but that's just the way the system is set up. Yeah. That, that does remind me like, again, my life as a microcosm, like my parents did not set out to be hurtful, emotionally abusive people. They right. did not mean to hurt me or damage me. It's the same thing. These right. organizations did not spring up in order to dismantle and permanently damage people and family structure and society. They did not mean to do that. It's all coming from a place of they think they're doing the right thing. They do right. truly think they're doing the right thing. My parents truly thought they were doing the right thing. Right. And everybody's broken. Everybody has areas of their parts, areas of themselves that are blind or just not healed yet or hurt. And, and so we're all going to make mistakes. That's where our mistakes come from. However, if you are ha if you are in a position where you're having authority over someone and they are not thriving, mm -hmm. that's how you know if you are in a loving relationship with somebody, whether you're a leader of some sort or, or in a, some sort of family relationship where you can step back and look at someone and say, you're hurting and I right. care about you. So therefore something about this relationship needs to change. And that does not happen. Not right. when you have narcissists for parents and not when you're in the Christian church, at least not that I've ever seen. And I had pretty good sampling. So that what you received as an, a young adult basically just furthered what you had experienced as a child. Is that how you would describe it? 
Yeah, maybe that's why it took such deep root in me because I, I see other people who went through a lot of similar things that I went through. And I'm like, well, I feel like it something in me, it did something a lot deeper in me too. And I know that there's a lot of generational trauma. Like as far as mm -hmm. I can tell, I'm the first person and I'm going to say like a solid hundred years on either side of my family. As far back as I've ever heard any stories of grandparents, great grandparents, great, great grandparents. I'm the first person I ever heard of who stood up and was like, um, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so um. there's there's genetics at play. There's inherited and stored trauma. There's all that at play. And mm -hmm. then, then my childhood and then all the religious trauma on top of it. So I understand. And sometimes, honestly, I feel really pissed at the universe. Like, why do I have to do all this? And mm -hmm. I have kind of reframed that over over time and thought, well, it's, it's an honor, right? In a way, I can't remember if you and I've discussed this already, but uh, like, that's cool that the universe looked at me and was like, Hey, she can, we, we let's let her do it. Or that, you know, my soul, mm -hmm. I think you, I think, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. You said something like a, you, my soul volunteering to do this before mm -hmm. it came to me, to this incarnation. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I understand that. And that's, that's wonderful. And it does lighten the load. It does cast light on it and make it feel more like a joyful, a joyful chore. <laughs> Put it that way. But at the same time, there's still days like today, the last, well, heck, the last eight months for me have been, since I lost my pregnancy has just been kind of like, yeah, but why do I have to do all of this. This is just yeah. like a lot for one person. And I have like my own dreams and expectations and things that I want to do in this life. Like, am I ever going to get to it or am I just going to be trauma healing Yes, <laughs> the whole rest of my life? I hope not. Well, I wanted, I wanted to say something about what, what you said about the universe, because I find this really interesting. I think a lot of times when we are so heavily trained to um, think about God as this very human-like, everyone says, he's, you know, he's not a man, he's all this, but we still talk about God and his attributes as though he's very much a guy in the sky. Yeah. And a lot of times I've, I see, we tend to, I, I do this too, we tend to just sort of switch names. And so we're like, okay, well, I'm, I don't believe in that kind of idea of God anymore. I'm going to start talking about the universe or source, but we still kind of attribute, we still sort of have the same mental picture. Maybe it's a little bit different, but it's still that very disempowered, like this external entity is putting me in this situation and making me go through X, Y, Z, which is how we always were taught mm -hmm. that God was right. Like mm -hmm. God knows you better than you do. And God wouldn't give you more than you can handle and mm -hmm. all this bullshit. It's so trite. It's so trite. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I coming out of that and feeling like recognizing like how um, pervasive that is and that that is such a, we're still in that disempowered state when we think of the universe in that way. Like it's this external thing that's kind of controlling us like puppets or putting us in situations that we didn't. And that's why for me, the most empowering thing is 
um, this coming to this belief, this understanding that we chose, specifically chose the circumstances of our life. We came here with a mission. We are, we are part of God. We are aspects of God. We are of source of the, of the, the force that is love. Right. And mm-hmm. we, um, set that all up for ourselves because we wanted to learn and we wanted to expand and we wanted to grow. And so that, that shift I think is so important and that takes a lot of time because we so naturally want to um, put ourselves in the victim role and assume that this outside entity is doing something to us. And that was for me, the biggest shift was recognizing like, Oh, I actually chose this and this is actually going to lead to my empowerment. That's why I chose it. Yeah. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I hadn't quite thought about it like that. That, that one guy, I think his name is Robert Schwartz that I was telling you about. Um, He has a really interesting body of work where he talks, he did a bunch of, um, I think it was hypnosis or maybe, yeah, I think he was doing some kind of psychiatric work with people and he, um, oh man, I can't remember the specifics of it now. It's very, very fascinating. But what he kind of came to was this idea that, um, that I was just talking about where everyone has kind of a life mission and people that have horrible things happen to them, right? Like he's talked about this people who are like, um, you know, lose their vision and, and their hearing and or whatever. They have something terrible happen to them, right? And he was able to kind of go back with them in their psyche and recognize that that moment before they came into their body, that they chose this situation for them. And it's like, this was actually, this is actually something that you set up for you. It's not some trial that you have to bear for humanity. Do you know what I mean? Like this is actually your gift. And that's the shift is being able to see all the shit in your life is there to, it's like the fuel for your engine. And I, does that, I love that so much because then it's like, Oh, this is just what's getting me off the ground right now, because this is how I am meant to find what it is that I'm going to do. And if I didn't have that, I would never be where I want to be, right? I would never go through what I needed to go through and learn what I needed to learn. Um, and that to me is the most empowering thing is like that it's all for me. It's not someone else choosing for me. It's me choosing. This is what I want to experience. Huh? That's a really encouraging way to look at it. I do, and you and I have talked about this before. I know where I do mm-hmm. feel like I have, I was sent here to do a big job. Yes. And, and so maybe I've been put through big trials to yes. build up my muscles, as it were. <laughs> yeah. I think that's 100% true. That, yeah, you're, you took this on intentionally for a reason so that you would be ready to do what you need to do when the time comes. And I love, I love that this idea of um, just divine timing that 
not divine in a sense that's separate from us, but in the sense of the divinity that we carry within ourselves, that you're right where you need to be. Like you are right on track. Everything is happening in your life. You are learning all the things that you need to learn. You are experiencing all that you intended to experience and you're not behind. You're just on the right track and you're just going along and you don't have to worry about where you're headed or, you know, how it's going because you already set it all up exactly as it's happening. Hmm. That's a nice thought. It's really hard to not feel behind some days. I'm sure everybody yes. feels that way. Yes. Um, it's hard not to feel like my stressors put me behind, but well, you're, you're right. They, they did. <laughs> you're right. Exactly. I think a lot of people don't even recognize this until they're, you know, quite a lot older than us. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and it's different for everyone. And um, did you say everything you wanted to say for your three reasons? Like, I feel like I, we didn't. I really... think that was it. Yeah. Just, yeah? It just kind of flowed into the conversation. Okay. I'm going to title this episode something like Jamie's three reasons, but mostly Kristen talks her off a ledge. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy sessions. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what friends are for. That's the thing I find I, I've been learning is like oh. to let my friends talk me off ledges when I need it and to let, to let my friends come in and say, you're having a hard day. Let me say some nice things to you before it was like, no, that was not acceptable. So it's still hard for me to get comfortable with telling, telling you, telling my friends like, Hey, I'm not doing so good today and let Mm. you guys respond and let, let myself respond to you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that's, Oh, that's something that's so important that, willing to be willingness to be vulnerable because that's what's connect what connects us with people mm-hmm. and if we are trained not to allow that and that that's a weakness and that that's um to, that's not acceptable in some way how can we really connect with anyone because we're never really being genuine Right. And, and that reminds me of what you said in your episode last week, you were talking about how you thought you had friends. And then once you separated from the church, you realized they weren't friends. Like you just believed the same things or something like that. Mm-hmm. I found that too. I'm like thinking of like people that I knew growing up in churches, like we weren't friends. You just <laughs> belong to the same club. Right. Right. Exactly. There was no connection. You didn't talk about, Oh, well, you, I certainly didn't talk about your doubts or, or your really vulnerable, intense, um, dark things. Those things didn't exist. They were not given room to exist. You had to pretend they weren't real. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, yeah, we, we don't actually, we aren't able to really have really deep relationships in that context because... You can't actually open up. You can't actually show what's there because you're always trying to present this image. Mm-hmm. It's such an image. It's such an image. Yeah. I remember talking to um, actually one of my college roommates, I think. And, and anyway, we um, the community that we all sprung from, uh, which I'm sure we can do a lot of episodes on. But that was, it was such an image. Going to church on Sundays was like a bit of a show, right? You, right. You, especially as the woman, like your your hair was done cute, and you had on your cute your cute outfit and your cute heels. It was it was such a look, and there was an mm. emphasis, at least where we both went, used to go to church, like such an emphasis placed on like 
Um, not there's anything inherently wrong with this, but again, it kind of, in that context, added to the appearance of like the music sounding really, really good. And mm -hmm. uh, it was such a pageant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I find that so fascinating how um, so much of what we present in those kinds of situations is all an act. And I started to realize that we're, we're all pretending to be good. Yeah. And none of us are. No, one <laughs> actually there's no place is. for brokenness. There's no place for the dark parts of you in those right. situations. So you can never actually evolve. You can never actually grow into your own. You can never mature. You can never, um, really be genuine because you're just trying to present you're just all these people are just like play actors and they're all mm -hmm. putting on this front and that's why there's so many on behind the scenes shit things going on so many. in so many churches in so many you know organizations is because all that has to be kept underneath and it's all this front but people are human guess what <laughs> And those things are going to pop out in really distorted, really ugly, weird ways yeah. because we're trying so hard to suppress them and to keep everything looking so nice on the outside. And you and I saw that firsthand coming from the communities we came from. Like, yes. Things just don't get talked about because you're, you're fully suppressing like a solid half of yourself because right. you're, you're half, it's yin and yang. You're half dark and you're half light and you're, the light is only allowed to exist. So you are completely suppressing half of yourself mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you keep suppressing, you keep squishing it down these parts of you that you know, they're calling ugly. So you just pretend don't exist. It is just going to morph and change. It's going to figure out a way to come out of you. And if you don't let it out into a safe, loving, supportive environment where it doesn't have, you don't have to, nobody has to be afraid of it. You can right. just talk about it. It's going to turn into something really dark. Yes. And it is going to find a way out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Was there anything else you wanted to say about your three reasons, Jamie, or do you think we covered everything pretty much? I think we got it. It was a uh, kind of naturally happened. It, yeah. It was lovely. I was just not having a good day chatting with my friend and it turned into my, my three reasons. I guess yeah. that was why I wasn't having a good day. worked <laughs> <laughs> out perfectly. Well, thanks everyone for joining us and we will talk again soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.